Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I'm sitting down with Anne Crook. Anne is a certified integrative health coach, holding space consultant, certified birth doula, and certified medical interpreter. She has worked in many facets of healthcare for the past 21 years and loves supporting others to heal and transform their lives so they can shift from surviving to fully thriving. She is a consultant with Institute for the Study of Birth, Breath, and Death, where she supports others navigating grief, loss, and significant life changes through private consultations and support groups. Anne is especially passionate about supporting others to heal from depression, anxiety, thyroid conditions, or women facing breast cancer through an integrative approach. She supports clients to reignite their inner healer for greater joy and vitality. She has been featured in online publications, podcasts, a global docuseries, and a bestseller book, called Thresholds, 75 Stories of How Changing Your Perspective Can Change Your Life. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Anne, but before I do, just a reminder, head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. Hi, Anne. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm so happy to spend this time with you today. Hi, Haley. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. My pleasure. And first, I have to say we're both Institute for Integrative Nutrition Health Coaches, and you're the third person I've interviewed that is a fellow IIN health coach graduate. So it's so fun to talk to you. And I feel like we have so much in common and we're like-minded. I love it. I love it. So first I would love you to just take me through your health journey. Yes. So, um, let's see (laughs) my health journey. That's a long journey. Where would you like to start? You know, basically before you ever got cancer, I mean, what was going on for you? Hmm. So my health journey, I will say, started back around 2004, 2005. Um, I was living out in Denver, Colorado at the time, and I was working in a hospital-based birth doula program and burning the candle at both ends and um, assisting labor and delivery at night and then working in a teen pregnancy job during the day. Um, Really loved my career. However, after about three years of working in that job, I hit severe burnout from stress. And at the time, I did not know what adrenal dysfunction was. Um, I was not familiar with the adrenal glands and how they are the center of the stress uh, center in the body, uh, which control our cortisol or stress hormone. 
And so I had a lot to learn back then. Um, and I started learning about, um, you know, you hear often stress burnout, but people don't understand what's actually happening on a physiological level until you've gone through it. Um, and I was in severe adrenal exhaustion, uh, in 2005 and that started showing up as a lot of chronic symptoms at that time for me. And what kind of symptoms did you have? Well, in 2005, some of the symptoms I was experiencing was depression. That was probably the worst. And then I had some chronic fatigue going on. I, um, you know, I would, I would sleep and wake up. It wasn't feeling refreshed in the morning, um, was depending on caffeine during the day to get me through the day. So I would say those were some of the, um, you know, some of the most notable, noticeable symptoms. Okay. So then did you, you said you didn't really know back then. So what did you do? Well, so I, you know, I obviously sought medical, medical uh, support. I also started seeing a homeopath. I've always been um, more geared towards integrative approaches to healthcare with a holistic mindset. That's just kind of how I run. <laughs> and I grew up in a medical family. My dad's a doctor, uncle, grandfather, all doctors, conventionally trained. However, I um, have always seen things through a holistic lens. So I knew even back then in 2005, there's something more going on here. Um, and I need to look underneath the hood of the car, so to speak. So in addition to seeing the homeopath, I, um, you know, I didn't at the time have a functional medicine doctor or even know what that term was. However, I sought out acupuncture. I started doing yoga. So I, I was aware of some other, you know, other types of healing protocols to follow. Um, but it wasn't actually until 2010 that I got into the hands of a functional medicine doctor. How long after that were you diagnosed with cancer? And, and of course, I want to hear about that. Well, so fast forward to 2010, uh, at that point I had moved back to Nashville where I'm from and, um, and found out about this functional medicine doctor and started becoming really fascinated with the term functional medicine. Cause like I said, I've always been geared towards integrative approaches to healthcare. Um, but I'd never heard of what a functional medicine uh, doctor is. So I became familiar with this type of, you know, medical doctor and, realize this is the only kind of doctor I want to be under the care of for what I'm experiencing. And so once I moved to Nashville, I found out that I actually had hypothyroid. Um, at that time, they did not say Hashimoto's. I later learned that about 90, 95% of thyroid conditions are Hashimoto's. If it's not the other extreme, which is Graves disease, um, hyperthyroid, if you have hypothyroid, it's more than likely it's probably Hashimoto's. Um, and so that was in a way a relief to realize, oh, well, this might explain some of those symptoms I've been having because a lot of people with thyroid conditions have depression, anxiety, fatigue, um, disrupted sleep. You know, those are just some of the side effects. Um, so I was glad to find that out and, and started learning integrative approaches to work with that. And um, that actually led me to become a certified health coach through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Um, and I went through my training in 2011, 2012, which is ironically when you went through your training. Exactly. Which is so great. Um, and so then I was just super gung-ho passionate about becoming a certified health coach. I started working at a therapeutic retreat center, clients from all over the world who come to Tennessee for healing trauma. 
and I was hired as their health coach and I was teaching nutritional healing workshops about stress burnout and restorative sleep and the food mood connection and was really on a roll, um, loving my livelihood, doing that for a number of years. And then fast forward to 2018, I got the biggest wake up call of my life (laughs) and I was diagnosed with stage one breast cancer. So that was later down the road of my healing journey in 2018. Through that time before, um, I mean, it sounds like from 2005 to 2010, you were just going as is, not feeling great. And I think it's so good for people to hear because, you know, it's so important to listen to our bodies and, and cancer doesn't just happen, right? It doesn't just happen by chance. You're exactly right. Cancer doesn't just happen overnight. And there were a lot of things I was doing really well um, in terms of healing the thyroid condition, um, managing and reducing stress, um, bringing a lot of great things into my lifestyle, my diet. I started learning about chronic inflammation and went gluten and dairy free, Um, started, you know, adopting like um, a meditation practice. I love the outdoors, spending a lot of time outside. However, I think one of my blind spots with breast cancer was that I was not incorporating detoxification into my life before 2018. And I also wasn't aware of how much we're bombarded with environmental toxins that mimic estrogen in the body. Um, So I had to do a thorough assessment of my home environment and look at what are the cosmetics I'm putting on my skin. What's the quality of water I'm drinking? Am I purifying my air? What am I cleaning my house with? And completely overhaul everything and start from scratch. Yes, I did that too. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's a learning curve, right? It's not something you just know to do right away. I mean, it's, this is all a process. And I think when people hear, you know, how well someone is doing and they did this and they did that, it's like, oh my God, can I do all that? But it's, it's baby steps, right? It's baby steps. It, it can feel really overwhelming if you try to take it all on at once. And so, like you said, I think, you know, chunking it down into baby steps and then hiring a health coach like the two of us can really be such a valuable support. Mm, there's no doubt. I mean, I think about when I was finished with treatment, I just didn't know what to do next. I mean, I'm thinking, oh my God, I, I think I was more scared afterwards because. I didn't know how I was going to remain healthy and I just kind of figured it out on my own. So that's why I think this podcast is so important just to to interview and to talk to people like you who has been there, done that, you know, and can give people great tips. Exactly. Exactly. So what were some of the treatments that you did? What did you need to do once you were diagnosed with breast cancer? So once I was diagnosed with breast cancer, that was in April of 2018. That was the same month as my birthday. And um, immediately, um, everything happened very fast. Um, I was very fortunate that I was the one that found the lump. And it was a small lump. It was eight millimeters, uh, stage one. And um, once I got the surgery, I had a lumpectomy and then wound up getting 21 treatments of external radiation to the left breast. Um, Fortunately, during the lumpectomy, they took two lymph nodes out. They were clear, all clear. So it was not my lymph nodes. Um, 
And so once I got through surgery, then I immediately started radiation about mm, six weeks later. And that went for roughly five, six weeks. And then I just had to catch my breath and say, oh my goodness, um, I want to do things my way from here. <laughs> um, you know, I was, I was going along with the, um, you know, the, the suggestions of, of conventional medicine, because I was in a lot of fear, obviously, you know, when you get that, you have cancer, there's a lot of fear, as you know, personally, oh, yes. um, and you want to do whatever you can to keep yourself safe. And so I, I am glad that I went ahead and, and did that conventional protocol, but I like to say I'm a hybrid approach because after doing the lumpectomy and radiation, um, fortunately in my case, chemo was never indicated. It was not medically indicated because the tumor I had was a low grade, non-aggressive, you know, estrogen, progesterone receptive tumor. Um, so what was recommended for me were the hormone blockers and I, um, decided to say, no, thank you. I am going to find other ways to work with the estrogen in my body and learn everything I can. Oh, this is so good to know. Did they tell you to take tamoxifen or what did they have you? Tamoxifen is actually what was recommended for me. And I was very fortunate to have a medical oncologist that did not push it on me, basically said, this is standard of care. Um, I'll give you, you know, a few weeks to think about it. And every time I would think about it, my body would contract and cringe. And I just knew this is not the right choice for me. And I respect women who choose whatever they do because I feel like it has to feel right for you. It's very personal, very bio-individual. And so just to honor what your body's saying, even if that is to take a hormone blocker, it you know, uh, there's no way we can compare what's right for all of us. Yes. And that's such an important point about doing what you feel is right for you because you said your body was screaming to you, don't do it, don't do it. So you listened to your intuition. So I listened to my, my intuition. And if I had to say anything important for listeners is to listen to your intuition um, in regards to what the right treatment is for you, because I don't really believe there's one right treatment for, for all of us. It It's going to be unique for each of us. And when your body is on board and you feel at peace with your plan of treatment, your body goes into a healing state. But if there, if you, if you make a choice from fear and then your body contracts, then it puts you in fight flight, which is the stress state. Um, so that's why it's just so important to trust your intuition. Right. And you just can't heal in that stress state. So I wanted to talk to you about estrogen dominance, because I know when we spoke last time, you mentioned that you found out you were estrogen dominant. And I know a lot of women think that, you know, when you're in perimenopause or menopause, you have low estrogen and how can you be estrogen dominant? So I would love you to talk about that a little bit. Mm, this is a topic I'm really passionate about. Um, another, um, you know, another health issue that a lot of women in perimenopause, menopause go through that I wasn't aware of, it wasn't on my radar till I hit my early to mid forties and found out that I had estrogen dominance. And it's basically, um, the ratio becomes imbalanced between, um, the healthy estrogen estriol, which is the safe protective estrogen and the unhealthy dangerous estrogens, which are estradiol and estrone. So that comes out of balance. But then the other thing that happens is we start losing progesterone and then we have way too much estrogen in ratio to progesterone. And when we have what's called estrogen dominance, it puts us at higher risk of 
reproductive cancers like breast cancer. And so this is why you see so many women getting diagnosed in their 40s and 50s, because that is a prime time in life where we become estrogen dominant. Even when we're losing estrogen in menopause, we can still be estrogen dominant. Things like plastics and other xenoestrogens that build estrogen in the body. You know, I don't think people realize all the, like you said, the products that we put on our bodies and the environment we're surrounded by and the air and all that. So that can really make us estrogen dominant, right? Exactly. The xenoestrogens, like in plastic water bottles, um, perfect example is if you're drinking out of a plastic water bottle in the middle of the summer and you're leaving it in your hot car, then that those BPAs are, are leaching into your water and it, it's turning into these xenoestrogens. And so that, again, is also bombarding our body with these um, additional estrogens. I'm so glad you touched on that because one summer's coming. Thank God I'm so ready for it. But <laughs> people do that all the time. They do. They do. And I, I, I myself included in the past, you know, was doing that as well, but I don't, I don't have any plastics in my house anymore. I threw it all out and I only use glass containers. Now I only use, you know, glass water bottles. So that's one big change I made for the better. That's great. And I know we spoke a little bit about the thyroid, but I know so many women that are having thyroid dysfunction and I just wanted you to just give us a few tips on how you help clients with that. Yeah, it's a great question. So first off, whenever, so many of my clients do have thyroid conditions because I find that breast cancer and thyroid conditions often run together. Um, and so, you know, classic symptoms my, my client would be having would be, you know, thyroid condition, possibly healing from breast cancer, fatigue, mood issues, and so when we're working with the thyroid, when it's the hypothyroid, which is, you know, on the side of Hashimoto's, um, the first thing I ask them is, have you checked your antibodies? Have you asked your doctor if you have TPO or TG antibodies? Because that's going to let you know if your body is an, in an autoimmune type of state where your immune system is attacking the thyroid. And if my client has antibodies, we work in a lot of holistic ways to address that um, and, you know, hopefully get the thyroid back in remission. And I know with me going gluten-free helped a lot. My antibodies definitely went down after I went gluten-free. And so I always recommend that. Is that something you recommend to people too? Definitely. There, there's um, a great test. I always recommend my clients to get the IgG food sensitivities test, which is different than a food allergy test. Because as you know, Haley, like the sensitivity or intolerance is totally different than an allergy. There's no histamine response and you might not have a reaction for like 72 hours. But if we're eating a food over and over again, like in my case, I was eating eggs every day and I found out that I'm very reactive to egg whites well, that's driving chronic inflammation in the body. So that's just making the thyroid condition worse if somebody has a thyroid condition and they're eating a food that they're intolerant to. Such a good tip. And, and so it's IgG, not IgA? IgG, yeah. Okay, perfect. And, you know, I wanted to talk more about your breast cancer diagnosis. I know that breast cancer is a very emotional disease, right? 
Yes. And so can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, as I like to say, I believe the number one toxin in the room is emotional trauma. I believe that all of us have some degree of emotional trauma in our lives, whether it happened in childhood, whether it was a difficult event we went through in adulthood. And when we turn away from those emotions and we suppress them, they get buried in our body. It turns into dis-ease. So I like to say instead of disease, it turns into disease because we're out of ease. We're out of flow with life. And so one of the biggest game changers on my healing journey and why I literally can say, honestly, I have gone from surviving to thriving. And I like to say that with my clients, how we go from surviving to thriving is when you turn towards those emotions with compassionate presence in the same way you would a best friend and you actually hold space with them with loving care, our body speaks to us and your body will let you know where that trauma is lodged what it needs to say and how we can integrate that moving forward. So it's not continuing to be like a toxin that is affecting our health for the worse. And it can actually be integrated into our life as an ally, a companion, because our body has so much wisdom. And so my intention with my clients is to wake up the inner healer in each and every person. So are you saying to really ask your body you know, what, what do I need to let go of? Is there journaling involved? Well, so, um, I've been trained through a wonderful Institute, um, called the Institute for the study of birth, breath, and death. We have over a thousand members all over the world. And when I talk about holding space, I'm actually one of the holding space consultants for this Institute. And so in a holding space session, what it looks like is we're, tuning into the breath, we're tuning into the body and where the discomfort or the difficult emotion is held. And a lot of times it involves closing the eyes and really speaking through the body, the body self, and, you know, giving it a color, a texture, um, and seeing what the deeper message is. So it's, it's coming into union with the body and learning from that deeper wisdom or what I like to say, our authentic self. And so it's, it's not necessarily journaling. I mean, journaling can be really helpful, but I think the key, the key point here is to get out of the head because many of us live from head up or neck up (laughs) and, and I'm guilty of that myself, but to get out of this head space and to come into the body more deeply, to really embody into what we're feeling, come into the heart space And even just simply putting one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly, one thing I do is to just tell this part of me, I've got you, I've got you, sweetheart, you know, and just tuning in. And I just notice my body just like, wow, just totally relaxes and lets go just with that simple placement of one hand on the belly and one hand on the heart. So that's just an example. I love that. I mean, you're showing yourself love. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have difficulty with that loving themselves. Mm -hmm. And it, it brings up forgiveness because, you know, that's another toxic emotion when we can't forgive somebody and we're hurting ourselves more than we're hurting the other person. Yeah. So I'm guessing in your journey, you had to do a lot of forgiving and, and what did that look like for you? You know, for example, do you acknowledge that you have to forgive and then talk to the person 
or, you know, just pray about it or how, how do you go about forgiving? Well, I think what helped me with the forgiveness piece in my life was really shifting my mindset and getting into a healing growth oriented mindset. And so instead of saying, why did this person do this to me? And, you know, kind of like look at them as a perpetrator or, you know, looking at it from a victim mode, more like from sort of more of a spiritual perspective of how is this person in my life, my greatest teacher, and how can I become a better version of myself because of this pain and adversity and have compassion that this person is doing the best they can. And they're dealing with their own wounds that were never healed. And how, instead of like, you know, putting the blame on them of the pain that I felt, it's more like coming from compassionate understanding, not only for myself, but by the person in my life that I did an amends process with that was very powerful and shifted our relationship for the better. Oh, that's amazing. And so you actually spoke to the person and said, I forgive you. Is that? I did. I mean, I first, I first did the inner work in myself. So I like to call it inner child work. We all have an inner child, a younger self that lives in our body. And then we have our adult self. And so, you know, in learning how to become that inner loving parent for that part of us in our body that feels afraid, that feels contracted, um, that doesn't know the difference between Haley or Anne uh, at 50 versus Haley and Anne at age eight. <laughs> you know, that that's that part of us that lives in our limbic system, the limbic brain, the emotional part of the brain. But then there's the adult part of us that's wise, that's compassionate, that has knowledge. And, and so I did that inner work first. And then I did, then I did an amends process with this person in my life. And I was able to really genuinely say, forgive you. And please forgive me for all the ways I, I didn't speak kindly to you, you know? And, uh, and so it wasn't just about saying I forgive them. It was also cleaning up my side of the street and saying, I'm sorry like, please forgive me and really meaning it. Right. Right. And I'm sure that just, it's just so important for healing because we ourselves hold on to all of this and we don't realize that. And that's what, what you said causes dis-ease. So such an important topic. And, you know, I know when we spoke last, you talked about mindset and you just mentioned it too. How important do you think your mindset was in your healing journey? Oh, my mindset was like the most important piece of it, actually. (laughs) Because when I received the diagnosis, which was actually April 13th of 2018, um, you know, first it was getting through the shock and the fear. But once I was able, I was kind of an automatic pilot, actually, during those first two months, because I was actually still working while I was going through treatment. And was just an automatic pilot, just getting through, just surviving what had had to get dealt with. But then once I was able to pause and take a breath, I was like, ooh, okay, so what now? <laughs> like you said, sometimes it can be even scarier after you finish treatment and you're like, now what? <laughs> How do I prevent recurrence, you know? Yes. And so I started creating this growth-oriented mindset. I've always been drawn towards learning and growing and consider myself a lifelong learner. And I thought, how can I learn everything I can about cancer, why it's created in the body, 
how I can create a lifestyle that's cancer free where I don't have to ever fear cancer again. Um, and not just look at it physically, but look at it emotionally, spiritually, and mentally as well. And so that growth oriented mindset really helped me take charge and take my power back. That's huge. And you said something that just made me gasp almost that, that to never fear cancer again. And I think that is the biggest thing for people that they are so fearful and, and it's understandable. Um, but to live your life in fear, it's just, it's not going to be healthy for you. Exactly. And so that being said, I mean, do you ever get afraid of, of having a recurrence? You know, I'm actually grateful to say, I really don't ever think about that. I mean, I'm now four years out. I thought about it a lot the first year and was pretty terrified of it, you know, the first year, but I shifted somehow into this joyful kind of peaceful mindset um, where I, because I know deep down that when we're in a place of joy and we're a place of peace, our body's in a healing state. And when I'm fearing recurrence, then it puts me in stress state, which is the cortisol and the fight flight. So what I do now, and I know you can speak from this too, Haley, is like, I, I consider it the greatest gift to pay it forward and to be living in alignment, full alignment with my greater purpose, because now I get to go out and spread a message of hope and healing and work with clients that are going through the trenches where I was and support them. And so I feel like in being alignment with my soul's greater purpose, it helps put me in that place of peace and healing. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I, I could see that, you know, you, you radiate calmness and happiness and, and, and similarly, I, people ask me that, are you still afraid? And I could honestly say I'm not. And it didn't, wasn't overnight. It didn't happen overnight at all, but I could honestly say that I, that I'm not afraid. So that's, I, I want the audience to be able to, to hear that, you know, from two people. And because that is one of the biggest things I hear, mm. you know, every time they have a test or a scan or whatever it is, it, it, it causes a lot of stress and that's, you know, short-term stress. That's, that's okay. But it's when you're living in fear constantly that, as you said, you're in that fight or flight and you're, you're not healing. Exactly. Exactly. Such an important topic. Any last piece of advice for someone going through cancer and then also someone wanting to avoid recurrence after they're finished? So for somebody going through cancer and then wanting to avoid recurrence, correct? Yes. So I would say if you're in the middle of going through cancer right now to just um, stop and take a deep breath and know that this cancer did not happen overnight. And so, you know, you have time to work with your body and get into that healing state so your body can start the healing process. Um, and so, and I know there's so much fear and there's so much urgency and it really depends on the stage of cancer, right? Like I, I know it's obviously a lot more urgent in some cases than others if it's a late stage. Right. And some cancers are, are grow faster, but the majority don't. Right. And so 
anything you can do to surround yourself with things that put you in that healing state or put you in your joy, whether it be your loved ones, just having like the regular support, you know, reach out, build a community, find other people going through cancer that get it because, you know, just having that sense of community um, reduces our risk of recurrence. And we're much more likely to not only survive, but thrive when we have a community. Um, So that would be a big one, but also really prioritizing sleep and knowing that sleep is not a luxury our body has to sleep to heal. And I know that when we're anxious, as I was four years ago, it was really hard to sleep because you're just worrying all the time. And so just do whatever you can to get that support you need to get your sleep on board because your body's going to heal when you sleep. Yeah. Those would be two big ones right there. Yeah. Sleep is huge. And recently I got those blue light glasses. So I put them on two hours before bed and it helps with the production of melatonin. And I really feel that it helps. So just FYI, that anyone that's listening, it's a good thing to do when you're looking at screens and TVs, computers, all that stuff. But thank you so much. You gave such valuable information and now it's time for random round. Are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) Thank you, Haley. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is? Freedom to me is being in a state of joy on a regular basis. It's living with a greater purpose and feeling in alignment with that. It's being surrounded with beautiful quality relationships with friends and loved ones and building community. I just feel joyful when I have a rich community of kindred spirits like yourself And I also love being in nature and being outside. That brings me to a state of joy. The last show you binged and loved. Oh, the last. so I was thinking about this. Um, So I actually don't have Netflix at my house, but I do house sitting and dog sitting for a friend and she has Netflix. And I was just binge watching this great show called Virgin River a few months ago. (laughs) I watched that. Yes. So that's what came to my mind. I went through about six or eight episodes in one night. (laughs) I love it. I mean, the couple, it's just, if you want just a romantic type show, it could be a little cheesy, a little soap opera-ish, but so good. Such a good getaway type show. Yes. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? When I'm feeling afraid, I hold space for that part of me. I turn towards that fear and put one hand on my heart, the other on my belly and let that part of me know I'm here. I've got you. I'm listening. And I really tune in with deep listening and compassionate presence. And that seems to really like bring the fear down a lot. If you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Mm, I think this was my favorite question. So I was reflecting on this and I realized it would be my uncle Billy. Um, His name is Dr. William G. Crook, and he was a well-known pediatrician and the author of the world-renowned book, The Yeast Connection. And um, he was a pioneer in functional medicine way ahead of his time. And, um, you know, if he were still alive today, he's my dad's older brother, but if he were still alive today, I would so love to sit down and talk to him about the state of our world, the state of our healthcare system, and just listen to his healing wisdom and just hear what he would have to say, because I really 
admired him so much. And it, it's an honor to feel like I'm, you know, somehow carrying his torch forward in the world of healthcare. Oh, that's beautiful. What is your favorite go-to snack? My favorite go-to snack would probably have to be my kale blueberry avocado smoothie that I love to make on a daily basis with unsweetened almond milk, almonds, chia seeds. It's really yummy. <laughs> so Ooh, sounds good. And the avocado makes it creamy and adds the good yes. healthy fats, right? Yes, exactly. Mm. What is one simple thing that brings you joy? Gosh, it was hard to say just one thing with this question. Can I say just a few? Oh, sure. I'll let you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing that brings me joy is is, uh, quality relationships. And I feel blessed to have a lot of them in my life. And so just having quality friendships brings me a lot of joy. And I love to spend time outside and be in nature. And um, here in Tennessee, we have an abundance of waterfalls. Um, So I love to go on waterfall hikes in the summer when, when it gets really hot. And that brings me into a place of joy. I love nature so much. So I could so much relate. What's on your nightstand? On my nightstand, I have my alarm clock. I have a candle. I have um, this beautiful photo that says trust birth. Um, I have a sculpture of two people joined in a heart shaped embrace. Um, and I think that, and I have a few books and some essential oils and that Ooh, would you have good stuff. <laughs> What's your favorite form of exercise? I'd have to say biking and hiking. I love, I love riding bikes and I love hiking in the forest. What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? I'm very grateful for my health. <laughs> I never take my health for granted. Um, I'm super grateful for the quality people in my life. And I'm super, super grateful to be connected to a greater purpose and doing my life's work. Where can people find more about your work? So people can go to my website. That's a great place to connect with me. It's integrativeradiance.com. And that's an I-V-E integrativeradiance.com. And on my website is my personal email address. Um, so people can reach out to me through email. I also offer a free 45 minute discovery call and there's a contact page there where you can sign up for that. Um, so my website is great. And then I'm also on LinkedIn under Ann Farrier Crook. Perfect. Well, Anne, thank you so much. I so enjoyed our conversation today. And I know people are going to get great tips from this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Haley, for having me. It's been an honor to be a guest on your show. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.